Thank you for joining us for this episode of Take Notice, Amplifying Black Stories. I am your host, Allison Pricinger-Higgins. Take Notice, Amplifying Black Stories is a podcast exploring society, culture, and current events through conversation. We aspire to create an open, respectful, and equitable space where guests may feel free to share their truth and lived experiences. Our core values are rooted in community, connection, and personal development. Stories help us learn, relate, and grow. We are here to listen, to take notice. Thank you for being with us. I would like to show gratitude to the traditional ancestral land of the Puyallup people past and present on which this episode was created. I encourage listeners to research the land on which you live and are listening right now. Recognizing this is just the beginning. The more you explore, challenge, and learn, the more questions may arise, but this is how we grow and connect. On this episode of Take Notice, we welcome filmmaker Gino Payne. We discuss baseball, filmmaking, growing up in Georgia, uh, and his experience being launched into the filmmaking world by working behind the scenes on The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, and then eventually into Mandalorian and The Avengers. And we discuss much of his other work as well behind the scenes. His upcoming film, Goon of the Lagoon, we discussed that towards the end as well, which sounds super exciting and interesting. I also kind of put him on the spot with one of his influential films from his childhood. I believe that he got the description of Volcano correct. So Gino Payne has a master's in film and fine arts from Savannah College of Art and Design. He started his film career working in commercial and promotional advertisement. In 2010, he directed his first feature film starring Pastor Troy and Sean Lowe, entitled We Was Homeboys. Concurrently, Gino worked on projects such as HBO's Hard Knocks, Walking Dead, and Game of Thrones within the camera department. He currently directs and produces full-time for 360 films and works directly for big companies such as The Vegas, Golden Knights, and Poker News. Gino is most passionate about creating inspiring stories through all aspects of film. Find him and follow him on Instagram. Just search for at S-I-R underscore G-I-N-O. That's Sir underscore Gino. Please enjoy this episode with Gino Payne. Gino, thank you for joining me on the Take Notice podcast. I appreciate you spending some time with me this evening. Evening for me. I'm not sure where you are exactly. Where are you? I am in Missouri at the Ozarks, but thank you for having me, Allison. Yeah, absolutely. Ozarks. I have not been to the Ozarks. You said you're there with family. Is that a regular vacation spot for you? Yeah, we have a, a family lake house out here uh, that we come to to get all the little ones out of the city. And uh, honestly, it gets me out of the city too. And it's just a chance for me to be, uh, to slow down the signals or are weaker and more spottier and it's just harder for us to do all the things that the family tries to stop me from doing all the time and and uh yeah it's just a great vacation spot and i'm a city kid so being out here is out of my element and so much fun that's that's nice there's some spots out here i'm in washington state so there's definitely some spots out here where you go vacation and you have no choice but to not connect with anything. It's very, very nice. So I totally understand that. What What was home to you when you were growing up? So I was raised in Atlanta, Georgia. I spent all of my adolescent years in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I didn't leave Atlanta until like, well, you know, other than school field trips to the surrounding states, I didn't leave Atlanta until I was like 21 years old. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know... So being into Washington and in those areas, I've spent a little bit of time out there. No, like uh, I mean, it, Georgia's quite woody, but it's just surrounded by so much uh, metropolitan that you don't you're not able to appreciate it as much. Whereas, like I spent some time in in, in Walla Walla and in Kent and obviously oh, yeah. Seattle and in those those areas, you just really get to see the outdoors for what it is. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of you can easily be immersed even if it even if you're like state like based in a city, you can be like immersed in the nature within 10-15 minutes in some places, which is pretty great. So it's more intermixed in in uh Atlanta and Georgia, is that what you're saying? With uh, like city? 
Correct. Yeah. Atlanta's very, so it's, there's just so many small cities surrounding Atlanta that like, you know, uh, if you go, you know, outside of Atlanta, you're in another small, so you're in Columbia, you're in Alpharetta, you're in, um, you oh, know, okay. uh, DeKalb or yeah. uh, the surrounding areas. So it's, even though it's very green down in Atlanta, it's still very connected. And there's so many small cities that are constantly growing and doesn't feel like, uh, definitely doesn't feel like when I, when I was in Walla Walla or, or, or even Kent for that matter. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I haven't visited uh, Georgia myself yet. I've only been on a train through it and that doesn't count. So no. <laughs> I have to go. I have some family that lives down there. I still haven't visited. So I need to do that because it sounds really cool. Yeah. It's a good spot. Yeah. When you came up here, was it for film or was it just to visit or? Yeah. Uh, so the, my earliest times coming there was uh, for baseball. I was coaching uh, minor league baseball, and we, uh, the you know, obviously the World Series, uh, the Little League World Series of baseball comes there. So I was there for that. And then uh, as I was uh, starting my journey as a professional broadcast producer, um, I was there for a couple of different sports broadcasts. And then eventually, uh, one of my family members were there, so then we got to come out there for that too. So, oh, wonderful! So, going back a little bit, who were you surrounded by when you were growing up in in Atlanta, in Georgia, family wise or otherwise? Oh man, um, yeah. Oh, well, that's an interesting story. Um, so, I kind of grew up with my grandmother. Mm. She was the sort of matriarch of my family. She was. Uh, the glue and uh so it was myself my twin brother and my little sister you know we were like so many others in in, in that area at that time who you know grandmother was everything to us mm-hmm. so i was my grandmother and uh that was pretty much it mm-hmm. yeah yeah matriarchs of the family there's something something about that is, is she still around or and in the area or or no no yeah yeah. No, unfortunately, she uh, she passed um, uh, a couple a couple years ago. Uh, mm. You know, she went easy, and uh, we were all there to uh, celebrate her life. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but that that I understand how that goes. So you said that you coached minor league baseball. Is that what you said? I'm skipping ahead a few years. No, for sure. But but it was a very fun period of time. I always thought growing up that I would be a baseball player. And then all of a sudden I saw like a curveball in college and I was like, Oh my God, oh. what sorcery is this? <laughs> um, and, yeah. And then, um, you know, uh, so then at that point I, uh, you know, kind of went away from baseball for a while. But then one of my friends was uh, like, man, you know, you got to get more involved with the youth. And, and I was like, man, I, I don't know how I fit in. I really want to, you know, teach film, but at the level that I was wanting to get involved would, would have been kids that were already uh, sort of aware of film and sort of involved in the industry. So then uh, one of my friends was coaching. I started coaching with him. His team started doing very well. Um, and um, he got called up uh, to coach the state team. And then we ended up coaching the Little League. Our, our team went to the Little League World Series. I was out of Santa Clara. It was uh, It was an amazing year. Wow, that sounds like a that sounds really fun. Was there a specific position that you played when you played? Did you start off super young and and play on through to college, or in a specific position, or or is it different than that? I guess I'm not yeah. sure if it's different than that when you're at that age. Like if you have to move around to different positions, or yeah, no, uh, in baseball, yeah, it's very it's quite specific in baseball. Mm. Uh, so I played third base. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I was quite, I was pretty good at it. You know, I, I just didn't, you know, I mean, baseball is a hard sport to excel at. Mm-hmm. I'm 30% of a 300 batting average, which is essentially getting on base or, or hitting, uh, you're hitting a home run or getting on base 30% of the time. Wow. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's why uh, it's such a, a chess match. Uh, 30 or uh, 300 batting average is, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's just kind of how, how that sport is. That makes sense. Yeah. What, so you were interested in baseball and moving forward with that until about college. What, about what time did you get interested in film? 
So I was I was always interested in film. It, it was just one of those things that just felt so foreign to me, right? Like growing up in the space and the places that I grew up mm-hmm. in, you know, being an athlete was possible. Was actually more possible in our minds than it should have been. But mm-hmm. being someone who could participate in creating a movie, I remember. Why, I don't know how old I was, but I remember watching the movie Volcano and. At the end of the movie, one of my uncles or someone walked in the room and said, you know, this is fake, right? And I'm looking at Tommy Lee Jones and like all the actors and the firemen and the lava going down the street and all the chaos. I'm like, wait, how did, how, how did they get all these people to do all this stuff at, at the right time if it's not real? Mm. And obviously as a, as a child, that, that's kind of how, you know, you saw it, but. Then as I grew up, I kind of remember just thinking like that it was just like a very high art form and it was a very unrealistic place. To um, be honest, like for, for someone like me from a kid from the hood in Atlanta, just wasn't realistic. Mm, um, mm-hmm. At the point where it, it became something that I really, really, you know, started to fall in love with was in high school. Um, my high school in DeKalb County, Georgia was actually the feature uh, a band for the movie Drumline. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Drumline with Nick Cannon and uh, Zoe Saldana. Right. Um, they uh, were. Oh, wait. Yeah, it was Zoe Saldana. Um, and they uh, they used my high school. My school was quite renowned in the region. They they traveled for the Macy's Day Parade in New York from Atlanta. They were in the Olympics opening ceremony. They featured in um, Outkast's music video. Made kids mm. come from all over the country to get scholarships to college by playing in that band. Wow. And um, it's just a very uh, specific style of like Southern marching band uh, and the, 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 the entertainment goes hand in hand with a quality music sound. I wasn't in the band, but um, mm-hmm. when Drumline came to film at our school, it kind of took over the entire environment. And that was my first time being involved on set and just kind of running around helping and uh, seeing the, the daily production and seeing the really monotonous pieces that the jobs that had to be done day in and day out to, to make it happen. And that's when the first time I think I, I was kind of like, hey, this is really cool. I'm not going to say I decided then because I don't think there that was that kind of moment. But that's when it became like a real a real thing to me, not just like magic. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense because you're seeing the behind the scenes. What a great opportunity to see everything that goes into a film before you even know that it's, it's a thing that you wanted to do, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. I remember growing up and being like, wait, things aren't filmed in order. And this isn't like, this is, I don't like this. (laughs) It's like very dismayed by that. (laughs) I got over it, but you know, that's awesome. Yeah. That's it. That's actually one of the things that still strike people. Mm. Um, when they find out that like you can't, that, that I'm almost no, I mean, it doesn't really matter what level the film is made at almost no film that is worth watching is shot in order. Right. It, right. it would be a tremendous undertaking yeah. um, but, to do that. But like, it still catches people off guard. Honestly, I had that conversation yesterday oh. um, because I, I'm working on a project um, with some, uh, some some associates um people involved that are just uh, involved because of the location and stuff like that and uh explaining to them sort of how things work and and everything mm-hmm. and they're you know they're they're all, all very excited but they they've never ever paused to think about how a movie's made that's just not their world mm-hmm. and um yeah when they hear that you know well, well we're going to shoot everything in the kitchen on one day they're right. like wait what right <laughs> yeah that's not how i watch it I know. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense when you when you actually sit and think about it. But but if you don't, then it's like, wait a minute, this isn't right. <laughs> like this. Well, yeah, because I think a lot of times it's um, compared to like a play or something, maybe in our minds, um, or a book or or something. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. It makes total sense though, because why would you go back and forth and set everything up? Because that takes forever. I've been behind the scenes on a couple of film projects and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is taking (laughs) way longer than I thought it would. (laughs) So you said that volcano was a, was one of the first 
that that memory that you mentioned. Can you remind me what what is the film Volcano about? Because I don't know if I've seen it. So I don't even know that I can tell you what the movie Volcano is about. (laughs) I just remember Tommy Lee Jones and there was like so Tommy Lee Jones. That's all we really need to know, right? Yeah, true. There was um, (laughs) there was like so. Let me see. I I I, I'm actually I'm actually gonna go for it. And then I'm going to look it up later okay. to see how wrong I am. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, so let's see. So there's a volcano uh, near to a city. No one believes that the volcano is going to go off. But Tommy Lee Jones and someone else is trying to, like, get everybody to, like, move and get out of the city. Everyone thinks it's going to be fine, of course, because everyone's comfortable with a volcano in movies. And then, like, the, <laughs> the, the volcano blows up. And then, like, they're on a mission to try to, like, get people out. I think, like, the mm. whole third act was just, like, lava like swallowing stuff it was just crazy yikes oh man i live by mount rainier out here and it i I won't lie it's a little bit freaky sometimes if i really think about it (laughs) like you never know yeah i mean it's it is a strange thing yeah it's a very strange thing especially after you watch film like uh documentaries about mount st helens or things like that that's also out here (laughs) it's just you know Anyway, you said something about it being a little more possible in your minds when you were younger to be a part of sports than it should have been. And I I think I know what you mean, but can you describe that a little more in your own words? Yeah. So, uh, again, I grew up in Atlanta, you know, and growing up as an inner city black kid, uh, most of the people that you saw on TV, and again, TV should not, you know, be an accurate representation of what a building a successful career or a life is, but um, kids consume, you know, content and that's what we focus on what we think is cool. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what I saw on TV, the most representation of black people were in sports. And at that age, you know, if they didn't look like me, then I didn't think that it could be me. You know, when you're an adult, you have a, 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 a more broader spectrum on sort of what is possible and, how things and why things play out the way they they do. So at that point, just seeing all the athletes and stuff like that, that was something that was very realistic, especially in baseball. I was I grew up in Atlanta in the 90s, so watching Triple Jones and David Justice and Fred McGriff and Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and all the Braves and, and all the playoff runs and all the greatness, you know, being a baseball player and being good at it, it was very realistic to me. And it's just not... The, if you think about like uh, how how hard it is to be a professional athlete, uh, frankly, it's just it's 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 not that you better have a plan. Um, mm-hmm. Over like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because there's a very small percentage that make it to the level that you can make a career out of. I imagine, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I can't remember. I apologize. Did you say you have siblings as well? Yeah, I have an identical twin brother. Oh, and um, I have a big sister and two little sisters. Oh, okay. So five. Uh, did I count right? Five of you. Yep. Nice. Did you all mostly stay in the Georgia area as you were growing up, or like after after high school and everything, or are you all kind of spread out? Yeah. Um. So my uh, youngest sister, she uh, she's my biological sister, and then my sort of my my older sister. Sorry, I'm messing this up. My two older sisters are my biological sister. My youngest sister is my adopted sister. So I didn't meet my youngest sister until I was like 14 years old. But um, oh, okay. But yeah, so my twin brother and I were together almost all of our childhood. And then uh, as we got older, you know, we were we were moved into the system away from my, my small sister and my big sister to uh, where we were adopted and met. Uh, my adopted sister. Oh, so yeah, um, but but everyone was in Atlanta, so okay, um, we were able to see each other as much as possible, uh, given the circumstances. But um, but yeah, I mean, like we in Atlanta, you know, whenever I'm in Atlanta, you know, those guys are always you know pop out, and we've always you know been very close. That's wonderful. Yeah, um, are you comfortable with me asking you more questions about that, or would you like me to move on? No, I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, don't know. I, I always want to check about family stuff because sometimes, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, for sure. So you said that you were moved into the system when you were in high school or like uh, middle school, high school. Was that away from your grandmother? Is that 
Is middle that what school. happened or? Yeah. Middle school. Oh, that's a tough time. Yeah. yeah. So my, yeah, it, it, in middle school, my, my, you know, my, my grandmother was all very old when we first, um, you know, uh, moved in with her, you know, uh, from, you know, being with my mom, mm. my mom was afflicted by a lot of the things that people are afflicted with, you know, mm-hmm. in, in those areas at that time, you know, she struggled with a lot of different uh, illnesses. Um, some of the things that are just now being categorized as, you know, uh, mental, I'm sorry, health issues, um, that were seen as criminal mm-hmm. issues at that time. Um, right. you know, she, she suffered uh, from a lot of that stuff. And so we were, we lived with our grandmother and, uh, you know, but she was older and, she, you know, it was really hard for her to keep up with, you know, two active twin boys who just wanted to play sports and were bouncing off the walls. And we had our share of trouble mm-hmm. that we would get into too. And, um, it just got to the point where like, you know, she, she basically couldn't keep up with us. Um, and so the state, uh, moved us into uh, group homes. And, uh, once we went to group homes, I will say that like, you know, I noticed in those environments was sort of the first time that I kind of started to kind of see the world and kind of think that like, you know, perhaps there's there's a little bit more than what, you know, the box that I've been in, you know, and uh, I, I, I think mm. uh, moving, uh, we moved to a suburb uh, north of Atlanta and uh, uh, that was that was some of the most uh, uh, formidable years of my life and met some great people and uh you know they're still uh influential in my life and uh yeah so it was it was a very it was, it was one of those things where it's like you know i would have never chose that obviously no kid would have chose to leave um their grandmother's uh, home to go into a stranger's house but i wouldn't get it back mm-hmm. very well mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like a mix of a uh, very tough thing to have to go through and also there was a lot of positive that came out of that path. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I think most of the things that um, I've experienced um, in my life was, were things that like, you, you know, when they first happen, you kind of just don't know. So one of the things about like, uh, when, when you go through like a significant change, especially something that, you know, is going to change your entire life. Um, usually it's something that happens to facilitate that is something happens as a catalyst to, to push it. Otherwise you're just not going to go through the change. You know, I, um, I think that like you talk about like people who want to be athletes or want to, you know, uh, be college graduates, mm-hmm. or even if someone who just wants to gain weight or lose weight, you know, everyone wants to, uh, make the change, but what people struggle with is the actual process of the change transition is what what is hard the transition from from where you work to where you want to be mm. is is the part that's hard and so it, even as a you know there's a great example of that is you know my, my situation from where we were as a kid you know we we really didn't want to you know make that move but if we hadn't made that move our life would be significantly different Right. Yeah. Once you're forced into the change then, and have to, have to, uh, face it and deal with it. And like you said, make that transition. Yeah. You have no choice kind of in a way, especially at that, in that, in your situation. But yeah, that's, it's interesting how that goes until you're launched into something that's, it can be hard to take that step. So I saw that you went to, you ended up going to Savannah College of the Arts or is it Savannah College of Art and Design? Is that right? Yes. And yes. then did you go initially for film or was there, did you go and then you discovered that you wanted to do the film? Yeah, no. So um, my, I actually, um, my, my first degree um, was, was at a traditional university. Um, I started off at Kennesaw State University um, oh, okay. and um, I, my degree was in psychology and I was just kind of doing what, um, you know, I was just kind of following the path. I was in school. I didn't, I didn't pick mm-hmm. a major at that point. And so I was like, man, let me just stay down this road. I know I love philosophy. I love psychology. Let's just, let's see how, how this goes. And as I started to go down that road, I quickly realized that, um, you know, I didn't want to become a doctor to be a, a psychiatrist. And, and if, if I become a psychologist, uh, you know, um, I, I, didn't like the idea of being like a, a therapist or, or anything like that. So 
um, I had to make a, a transition um, to, mm. uh, to something that I wanted to do. And the thing that kept glaring to me was that, you know, I love creating, you know, cool videos. I love movies. I it was a big fan of like YouTube. It was like not new, but also still very cool. And so for me, uh, that was, you know, where I decided to go. Um, I, I uh, applied because I had been creating some content, um, some sports videos with my brother about uh, the Falcons and local uh, uh, local teams. And so we submitted it. And uh, when I got accepted, I was like, oh, my God, like, how the hell am I going to afford this? Because uh, Savannah College of Art and mm. Design is um, just, mm. you know, it's it's to say like they're uh, they're proud of it. And uh, rightfully so, you know, we, we make great connections. The alumni association is good. Mm. And, the, you know, you really learn with some of the top of the line equipment. Granted, you're not going to see that equipment uh, for some time once you graduate. So get used to that. But right. yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to uh, afford this. And uh, that, that's what led me uh, to join the, the police department. And because uh, they, I saw that they would pay for whatever school you went to. And it wasn't a contingent on like a ah. degree or field of study or anything. So I was like, Atlanta police, here I come. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. I was I was looking up some stuff that you sent and, and on your different things. And that was not on there. I had no idea. <laughs> How long were you? did you end up in the police department? I was in the police department for three years. Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I nice. mean, yeah, in the exp- in the vein of that, like you're you're an officer, right? So like, what you see every day is not fun. What you do every day is not fun. Um, it, it, the job is is is, is a mm-hmm. very very serious job. It's it's very difficult. A lot of hard decisions. A lot of sad moments. I mean, no one's ever calling to say, hey, you know, you know, we've got a uh, cookies and, and and cupcakes for you at in the corner of Moreland and Wiley Street, right? Um, you know, it's never, it's never their good day. Yeah, you yeah, won't yeah, remember yeah. it. You know, two months from now, but they they'll tell the story forever. So it's just, especially, and I say, in mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. You know, it's a hundred calls a day, and 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 half of them in the city are the worst that you can think of. So, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. just it's a job that you, again, I I think it's um something that more people should experience not necessarily as an officer Mm. but perhaps perhaps um you know in some capacity that makes sense yeah to kind of see behind the scenes kind of similarly but way differently different to what you're saying about seeing behind the scenes of the film at filmmaking process at your high school seeing behind the scenes of what it takes to be a police officer day in day out uh, would probably be very beneficial to to the understanding and connection between people. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Would you say, so that helped you get into the funds to pay for the film school. Are there, were there specific things that you took from that experience in the police department into your work in film or your creating that sticks out to you? Is there anything that that has kind of like created a through line. Yeah, I mean, as far as the the dots, the the physical, tangible dots that were connected. I mean, obviously, like you know, they they paid for it. You know, I I graduated and and uh, sure, you know, within a year, I I I left and joined and went straight into my my field. But um, that's, as far yeah, as like, that's great. The way it affected me and my daily. Um, you know, my philosophy, uh, the way I look at life, for sure. I think there's a couple, if I were to think out loud, I'd say there's two pieces that I take away from, from that into, it crosses into filmmaking and in life in general. Number one, I'd say like most issues, God forbid the complicated issues. It's just not that simple. There's, 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 there's some people say there's two sides. There's usually more than two sides. And in, mm. and I like to reflect that in my filmmaking in the sense is I don't like good guys who are purely good. I don't like bad guys who are purely bad. I like people who are growing and changing on a daily mm-hmm. basis and moving and, and arcing to their characters and becoming who they want to be. We all have an idea of the person that we want to be. We pray that when those moments come, we are that person 
but we just don't know. And if we are not that in that moment, then we look forward to trying to figure out how can we more accurately be that person when the next time comes. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like uh, just just things are just, you know, complicated issues, simple issues, stories. They're just not that simple. And then the second thing would be that, like, mm-hmm. um, I was talking to you know my girlfriend about this. It's, you know, she she was telling me she hated this movie because of the way it ended. Or no, it was a series. It was like Game of Thrones season, well, Game mm-hmm. of Thrones season eight, or I don't remember whatever the first Game of Thrones uh, mm-hmm. one. How many did eight or seven or whatever? And she was saying, "Oh yeah, I hate the way it ended." And I'm just like, the end of the story is not the king of the story it is just a part Mm. of the story when you're watching a movie or a life or just the course of of a history or wherever things are there's there's no point to me and uh, you know someone may feel differently but to me there's no point in that story no matter how high or how low it is that is the king all of that story that is just one point of the story, especially if the story isn't over. Um, I think mm-hmm. too much we get caught up in the way it ended or the way it started. It was, it was, it's the whole, the totality of the story, the totality of the life is to me the picture that must be considered. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, kind of seeing the whole picture. Yeah, I, I think I. that relates in my head to like when someone passes and people choose to not talk about how they passed, you know, they choose to focus on their lives and celebrate, celebrating their lives, celebration of life and all those things. I think that makes a lot of sense. Those are some valuable lessons that, that uh, you pull from, from your time on the force. I can only imagine how difficult a job that must be. So seeing the full picture of people and and not not the the fun times i imagine usually i was going to ask the same a similar question with your interest in psychology but i think you kind of just answered it in a way i was going to ask if if your interest in psychology and and what you did bef- in college before your film school has because it seems as though to be in film and create uh, characters or, you know, I, maybe you're not the writer for some of the things I, I'll have to ask you that, but um, to write characters and to be working with characters, you've got to understand people and psychology and, and the, the full picture of, of a human. And so I imagine, I would think that your, your interest in it early on probably helps you with your approach to filmmaking and directing. Is that accurate? Do you think? Yeah. I, I used to say that, like, so a big part of sort of what I did, uh, what I actually, what I still do, uh, when I'm not making a movie, I still like produce sports content, um, and it could be in various different positions um, along the pipeline from somewhere in the camera department to producer or director, depending on how big or how small the broadcast is. But when it comes to like live content. Uh, content that's about something that's actually happening, whether it's a documentary or a single sports event. My philosophy is I don't want to, like, we're simply reflecting the story. We don't want to try to Mm. change the story or form a narrative, you know, to try to sell a certain point. We just want to take Mm. the image and reflect that image for people to see. And like any mm. reflection, be it a mirror or a pool of water or whatever it is, a story, a movie, a film, whatever the reflection is, if there is flaws in the mirror, there's cracks, there's waves, ripples in the water, that will reflect in the story. So the piece of us will will be there. So we don't need to try to insert ourselves um, into it. And, and that, you know, kind of, that idea sort of developed in the concept of my time, you know, studying psychology and uh, just sort of like diving into the idea of like the hows and the whys and just asking the questions and not really listening and not waiting to respond. I think that that's a really important, important, like obviously, you know, mm. in this situation, you know, it's quite different where I'm 
so I'm more like bouncing, you know, questions from from you. But the way I really love to 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 sit and talk to people is like I I you know I tend to have like a ton of questions just because I I really want to know why and how, and I think that's important for us to do because a lot of times we find ourselves just waiting to respond. They're they're saying something to us. And we're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want to tell you this one thing. I'll, I'll quickly answer that question. But mm. I want to say this thing that I think is that you need to hear, as opposed to hearing what they're saying, diving a layer deeper into that and a layer deeper into that and a layer deeper into that. And, and I think that's what create good characters. That's what create good stories. That's what create great relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely relate to that. And that's, that's kind of a... Um... That's the thing that I'm constantly trying to remind myself, especially doing what I'm doing right now. It's like, I want to be in the moment and listening and, and also keeping things going. It's, it's a little bit tricky, <laughs> but it's very, it's very important to just yeah. be listening, you know, and, and listen to listen. That's yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Did you launch your career from Atlanta or did you move somewhere to how did, how did you transition things out uh, once you got out of um, Savannah College of Art? So I immediately started working in broadcast. I was shooting uh, for a lot of the Turner properties, uh, CNN, the Atlanta Brave Station. I mean, uh, you had the Atlanta Brave Station, Atlanta Brave mm. Stadium. I was just willing to do anything that involved holding a camera. And then, mm. mm-hmm. you know, I met some guys who were a part of film. The Walking Dead had just come to Atlanta and, you know, it was you know, this new show that That's everyone right. was like excited about. And I was like, yeah, like I'll, I'll work on a comic book show, which is what I thought it was. I thought was like shooting a comic book. I didn't know if it was going to be cartoon or not. You know, we, we started, we go through a few pre-production meetings in our lives that it wasn't a comic book. And we, we, we jumped right into production and uh, it was, a, it was just a great lucky thing that like Atlanta was the spot where, this production happened. And just like today, you know, a lot of the crewing goes down in LA. They kind of pick up uh, some pieces in on the local uh, territory where uh, they're filming. And I just got lucky. And I was one of those people because there just wasn't a lot of production people, uh, not film anyway, um, production people there who, who had had experience touching cameras, touching the lenses, knowing how to do this stuff. My, my, my uh, alumni association at SCAD was like, Hey, these guys, yeah, I can vouch for these guys. And, and so we were able to get connected. And next thing you know, we we're all set. And I think we made the, in my opinion, I think we made the greatest zombie series in the history of zombies. <laughs> I love it. I forgot that they filmed in Atlanta. That's an amazing opportunity. Was that the, f- you said that was the first season? It must have been because you weren't sure what it was yet. Yeah. How many episodes did you yes. work on? Uh, I worked on all but two episodes in season one and every episode in season two. Oh, wow. Those are probably the best seasons, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think the yeah. early years were this is pretty awesome. where we've kind of formulated what the series would be. Um, we had a lot of great source content. They did a great job. Um, you know, I was just a, a, a you know, camera assistant working in the camera uh, department, uh, even sometimes not even as a camera assist, uh, just being a runner in the camera department. So, you know, but uh, they, they made some magic and it, oh, yeah. it was great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And you, and Game of Thrones was on your list as well. Did you do similar work for that one? Yeah. I mean, we did, we did a forwarding uh, B unit progress. So when they go ahead and uh, they're shooting sort of landscape templates and, uh, uh, pick up shots for the special effects. I remember at one point we were shooting plates for uh, a raven, a raven flying through the sky. So we, you know, tracked this tennis ball, and it's, you know, it was even down to. And at that point, again, you know, those were the early years. Oh. That was way, way in advance, where you know, no one knew what it was. You know, we it was code name. Funny thing, it was code name. Um, the books. It was code name. Uh, Fire and Ice, I believe. Yeah, Fire and Ice. But yeah, it ended up obviously being titled Game of Thrones. I think somebody felt that that was going to be uh, more uh, commercial 
but I think uh, the code name at the time was a song of fire and ice. Mm. Uh, the little uh, big hit, little hit, was the production company, and that was like a brand new production company. It was just a production company started by one of the producers who had been producing and trying to get the project sold for like a number of years. And you know, he was based out of Atlanta, and um, you know, he was like, "I need, I need, I need some guys to go uh, with me to, to Belfast to get some plates for this uh, pilot uh, that we we just finished." We went and shot the plates, and they added it to the pilot. And apparently, HBO hated it, but loved it enough to to make the series. Oh, really? Which I don't know how that works, but <laughs> I wish I had that luck with my, oh my uh, podcast. Gosh, no kidding! Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, it worked out for them. Huh? Yikes! That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes that that I have no clue about. So all that you just said is super fascinating. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Who knew? Well, you did, I guess. But <laughs> what has been one of your favorite projects that you've completed so far? Or is that a hard question to answer? I'm not sure. That yeah, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But those are the good questions. Those are the good questions. So <laughs> favorite projects. I feel like I'm obliged to say one of the projects that I personally produced in direct. But I've been a part of some really cool stuff that I was, you know, one of the cogs in, in the machine. You know, uh, I, I love uh, mm. Mandalorian team. Mm. Uh, I feel like I'm name dropping here. I love, no, please do. you know, this family it. with Avengers and whatnot. But I'm going to have to go with one of our projects because there's something special about when you're trying to create something and people, you find a group of people that will believe in you that will get committed to your project and uh, show up, film for you know, minimal resources and you get it across the finish line and it gets out there to the world and people get to see it. I, I think Crescent Gang and the family film that we just finished is going to have to take the cake just because we had so many great young talent in, in that film. We had like, we had seven actors between the age of, of six and... 13 and mm. they were phenomenal um oh, they wow. they were outstanding and just extremely proud of, of that group and um, that was quite a journey and uh, obviously you know so we got into distribution we got out on major platforms and uh, go watch this game <laughs> that's awesome yeah i saw that on your on online i'm looking forward to checking that out Crescent Gang. That sounds like a lot of fun to work with young actors like that. That sounds very rewarding. Yeah. I mean, working with young actors is, it's, it's so inspiring because you see like people who, I mean, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old who is locked into a character. It's like, if I had this kind of like mm. focus, if I even had any idea, like they may change their mind next next month, but if I had any idea what I wanted to do when I was eight, oh my God, I can only imagine. I know. And, and you I, yeah. see this kind of skill set uh, from these kids, and it's just so impressive and so inspiring. Mm. And you just want to hug them, and you just want to tell them how much proud you are of them. And they're they're in there. They know they're good. You know, they know they're they know they're there for a reason. They do auditions and they get callbacks. So they know, um, mm-hmm. it, but you know, also, also, you know, you don't want to stretch them too far. You know, you, you can't, you can't do the normal, you know, indie film, you know, 12 to 16 hour days. You got to make sure you, you stay reasonable oh, sure. and fair. And so, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I feel like we never make a movie that's like uh, a movie that you should make as an indie film company. We always like push it just way too far. Oh, really? In what way? Yeah, it's just like, as an indie film company, you're supposed to create content that's, you know, it's, it's supposed to be easy, low budget, you know, uh, you know, find a nice, simple story that you can, you can push across the finish line. You know, we're like, no, 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 let's go get like seven kids and shoot a feature. Oh, you know, right. uh, that'll, that'll be logical <laughs> because, you know, that'll, you know, I mean, the film before that, we're like, yeah, right. let's, let's just shoot a film Based in nine fifty BC, why don't we do that? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Um, you know, bunch I mean, of, bunch of costuming, like, and period you know, things, and 
Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, if it's fine to cancel in America, why don't we? The country's only 400 years old, but good luck with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Oh, got to build one. All right. You know, it's funny. Oh, no, that's a tangent. I'm going to say it. But there's like some people's homes. I've seen like two homes in Washington just randomly that look like castles. So, you know, if you need a castle in the future, maybe that's what they're hoping for. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> you well, know, yeah, obviously I mean, not. Yeah, they uh, need to go ahead and get listed because right? it's possible, <laughs> you know, because I mean, it was I it know. was crazy trying to find a castle at one point we got to the point where we're like is there anywhere that just has walls that look like castle walls like <laughs> big enough bricks to like look like castle walls like is that possible wow what was this one for again so it was called son of sheba it's a story based on uh, the, the son of king solomon and the queen of sheba um, uh, he, mm. uh, they had a son and, uh, it was based on that, that son. Oh, um, okay. he was just now discovering, it's a short film about him just now discovering that he is not just the heir to some small village in Northern Africa, but that he was the heir to Jerusalem, uh, arguably the most powerful nation on the world. Obviously Egypt was at his power at that time as well. So, um, but one would argue that, um, King David, um, son Solomon, was more powerful than e- even Egypt at that time. So uh, it was mm, a short film, wow. sort of that wow. conversation between he and his mom as he sort of unraveled uh, the truth of his identity. That sounds interesting. Wow. And that just came out. Did that come out last year, did I see? Or recently, right? Um. So that was released in 2020. Like we did the whole COVID oh. festival tour. Oh, Okay, okay, I gotcha. Not cool, but we did it. Right, yeah, not ideal, I imagine. What are you most excited about looking forward, projects or otherwise? So we're shooting a feature film, um, a horror thriller. Um, it's, it's a creature film. Um, it's based, of, it's based uh-huh. on uh, these four kids that go out to the woods and they're on vacation and... Um, they're at an Airbnb and suddenly there, uh, there's a monster, um, that's preying on them. And, uh, I don't want to give too many details, but I will say that it is like a super sexy thriller film that has a number of twists. And if you like thrillers or horrors that also have a massive twist and, uh, a lot of bit sexy, um, then you should probably follow Goon of the Lagoon or follow us on socials and um, you'll see you'll be able to keep up with it. But we got a really awesome cast. And I mean, this thing's, uh, we haven't quite pre sold it because we don't want to make sure, uh, we want to make sure we kind of uh, have our options open once we finish. But, but yeah, we're very excited about mm. it. That sounds super interesting, super fun. I was going to ask you what, because I saw that title, Goon of the Lagoon, and I was interested, but you just answered my question. That That's awesome. Yeah. Where can people find, where can people follow you online for that? Um, the best place to find all the other places to connect with me is on my Instagram. Um, I would say at Sir Gino at S-I-R underscore G-I-N-O. From there, you could decide if I'm your cup of tea and, and if there's things that we make that you like and go from there. But I, 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 I'd argue that like if you're in this industry and you are making indie films, I, I think that especially if you're trying to figure out how to crack the egg of distribution, I, I forget that, like, if you're trying to uh, sort of like build relationships uh, when it comes to making feature films and collaborations and co-productions, we're all about that. And when it mm. comes to distribution and um, those things, uh, we've been down that road. We we're, we're headed down that road. That's what we do. Um, so we're very excited about like, you know, making our productions bigger. And the best way to do that is, you know, partnering with other filmmakers that uh, have other resources and other connections. So, Follow us, join us, and um, if you are just a fan of film and you want to see the process, uh, behind-the-scenes look, 
um, then check us out. I love that. That's awesome. Collaborating and uh, lifting others up is is the way to do it. I love that. So finding finding you on Instagram at sir underscore gino g i n o. That's the best spot to start, right? Yep. Wonderful. Is there anything that I missed ask, asking you about that you're hoping to mention in our conversation? Uh, no. I mean, I I, uh, I I love that we we kind of finished out with Goon and Lagoon. I think that like the people who are get involved uh, with the cast and the sort of hidden pieces and what will be the cult following early are the ones that will benefit the most. So if you like horror movies. Mm-hmm definitely check us out and get on board because we're going to be doing some cool stuff. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of projects that we're pushing for over the course of the next two years, but that's what I'm most excited about right now. For sure. We're going to production in September. Oh, great. Not too long from now. That's awesome. Will you be filming in Atlanta? Uh, We're actually filming out in the Ozarks where I am now. Oh, Oh, great. Okay, great. Very cool. So will you be there for a while? Are you coming back for that? Uh, yeah, I, we leave here uh, at the end of this month. Uh, I gotta go back to Vegas. Oh, God, I literally go back to Vegas for a day and then off to France. And then uh, oh, wow. uh, we were doing like a sports sports broadcast in in France. And then um, then we get ready for production in September. Wow, that's amazing! Wonderful. Well, sounds like you have a lot of exciting traveling and all the things. I had, I have so many more questions for you, but I'm gonna let you hop off. So. So I don't keep you longer. I will just have to ask you more questions another time. Well, Gino, thank you very much for joining me on Take Notice. I appreciate your time and you sharing your story. I'm looking forward to seeing all the projects that you have coming up and supporting you and staying connected. Thank you. Shoot me a follow. I'll follow you back. I look forward to seeing you guys and to your audience. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us for Take Notice, Amplifying Black Stories. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with someone you know. Connect with us on social media. We would love to hear from you. We are at Take Notice Podcast. You can also find us at takenoticepodcast.org. Reviews help us reach more listeners, so please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Take Notice Amplifying Black Stories is produced, hosted, and edited by Allison Preisinger Heggins. Music by Version Big Five featuring Darius Heggins. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for taking notice. <laughs>